Israel's affair with Jordan Sparks and Chris Brown, no air. This evening, I'm speaking to counseling psychologist Lauren Martin from this other, from the South African College of Applied Psychology on the emotional well-being as a tool to boost academic performance as well as how you can support your child during exam time. It's been a very rough year, and I can only feel sorry for children that are getting ready for exams right now because everything hasn't been how we are used to things being. You know, most of the work they've had to do on their own with the little support from parents, and I say little because we were never really ready to take over from teachers. So let's have a conversation that might just help you help your child. Good evening, Lauren. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Rise FM Evenings. Is this your first time on Rise FM? It is indeed. Wow, wow. This is going down some kind of radio history that I was the first to have Absolutely. you on my show. I really, really appreciate that. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. I think let's start off by understanding what emotional well-being means, especially where we are talking academics. And I say this because... We think of a lot of things when we talk about emotional well-being, but in most cases we never think of how it could be important for our children to have, you know, certain tools that will help them that also involve emotional well-being as far as their academics. So in this context, how do we define emotional well-being for a parent who doesn't understand what we're about to talk about? Sure. So I guess, For many, emotional well-being means feeling good and being in control of our stresses. But, Mm. I mean, the truth is, um, as humans, we all have fluctuating emotions all the time. Mm. You know, and life is uncertain and unpredictable, and I guess especially this year. Mm. And so it's it's actually not possible for us to control our emotions. And Mm. a lot of research is showing that actually it's not even necessary for us to do that. Mm. Um, So I guess healthy emotional well-being means learning that we can function and can perform and have success while we're experiencing these very normal, natural, uncomfortable feelings, such as stress. Um, And what I mean is when we learn that stress or uncomfortable emotions are normal and natural mm. and, and not this enemy that we need to get rid of, mm. we allow ourselves room and headspace to focus on what is important, like self-care or preparation or focused learning mm. that actually helps us in reaching our goals. So healthy emotional well-being means that we're able to um, understand our emotions mm. and learn to function in the discomfort. All right. And in this case, I know a lot of parents are very hard and strict with their children as far as anything academic is concerned. Emo- mm. You know, if, if we're supporting them emotionally, could that also mean speaking positively? You know, instead of saying, this is not good enough, you know, you're not excelling like that one and this one, I want this, I want that, would rather say you can do it. Whatever comes out of it, if you've given your best, it is okay. I think absolutely. Um, I think it's quite difficult here because parents and students Mm. both are planning for what happens after matric. And Mm. so I guess for a lot of reasons, there is a lot of stress placed on matric examinations. Mm. Um, And so being positive is certainly one step 
But I guess for matric learners, um, I think practical steps would probably be a lot more helpful mm. at this stage mm. in terms of helping them manage their own emotions. Mm. Um, but but that's not to discount that positivity um, isn't a great tool or mm. one of the, one of the many great tools that parents could use. And speaking of tools, what are those tools? You know, for a parent who says, "I'm interested, I'm listening, I'm keen, but I'm clueless." Sure, um, and I guess there's a whole range of tools. And, I mean, this is such a big topic that we could probably spend quite a lot of time mm, unpacking mm. it. But um, maybe I could just chat about two or three tools that maybe would help your listeners if they're parents at this stage. Mm. I I do want to just say, though, that we're dealing with perhaps two types of matric students here. And I'm not sure as listeners and if they're parents of matric students where their own um, child would fall into. But, you know, I just want to add that many students would require professional intervention. Um, and I'm just acutely aware of the fact that we are in suicide prevention and awareness month. Mm. And just, um, I don't want to minimize the experience that many matric students have gone through mm. or, or may go through. Uh, mental health organizations and services usually have peak uh, peak calls from distressed matric students about their emotional well-being in the build-up to matric exams and then also post-matric exams as they wait for their results. Um, so, so there are students or, or children that do require professional intervention, mm-hmm. but there are also many other students where learning tools to help you cope and make sense of kind of these unpleasant emotions like stress can actually help boost their emotional well-being in general. Mm. And this doesn't always require professional intervention, and parents play a very important role here. So when I talk about these these tips, or maybe two or three tips for parents, Mm. I'm really aiming that at students that are going through emotional stress at this stage but are still functioning. Mm. Um, I just want to put that out there. So maybe one of the biggest things that I think um, I would always advise matric students and their parents is prior to the matric, matric examination is to practice flexibility in planning and thinking about the future, uh, especially this year. Um, like I mentioned, every matric student is wondering about the next steps for them, mm. whether that's you know finding work or studying further or volunteering to gain experience. I mean, whatever it is, matrix are thinking about what is the next step. And I guess rigid thinking about believing there's only one step way to achieve your specific goal really exacerbates anxiety here mm. um, and often leaves students depressed and, demo- you know, demobilized when they, they aren't actually able to follow very specific plans. And parents, unfortunately, also play a big part here because they have very specific ideas of what they want for their children, Mm -hmm. and rightly so. Um, But if they also don't have flexible thinking about mapping out various pathways to reach these goals, um, they can also cause quite a lot of anxiety in their children in terms of planning for the future. Mm -hmm. So I, I do want to put it out there that while you may or students may have very specific goals that they want to attain, there are very various ways of getting there. 
and, and parents and, and students should be sitting and thinking about this and mapping out lots of possibilities. So that's one tool. Mm. Um, and maybe another is as parents, we, of course, we're going to do our best to support our children. Um, but it's also really important that we aren't projecting our own fears um, mm. and our own anxieties or our own worries onto our, our children. Mm. And I think, you know, chatting to quite a lot of parents and my own clients in private practice, um, parents often talk about their own disappointments that they've had in this metric year for their children. Mm. Um, the final year is supposed to be this exciting year, um, and whether that's in sports or metric dances or metric vacations or whatever it may be, mm. there are many highlights in the metric year um, that unfortunately won't be experienced this year for, for their children. Mm. Um, but I do want to emphasize that metrics have enough to grapple with this year and that parents need to find another outlet. They, It is not fair to expect your children to sit with their own fears and the fears of their parents. And so I would encourage parents um, to know that they're, they're not alone um, mm. in the process. Um, thousands of other parents are in the exact same boat. And that there, there actually are free South African organizations that provide support. And so if parents are just needing to reach out and just, you know, have an outlet um, for their own fears, they should be finding those outlets and ensuring that it doesn't, yeah, ripple over into their own children at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, those are those are two very obvious tools for parents. And I guess maybe just the third one could be that for many parents, um, and I guess maybe including myself, I, I guess learning really means sitting diligently at a desk, poring over textbooks. I mean, that's kind of how we grew up. But our children are from a different generation, or the matric um, students are, are of a different generation, and they study differently. You know, they might be watching videos of their favorite YouTube teachers or online chats or things mm. that are quite different from the way we would normally maybe study or naturally study in our generation. And I just really want to encourage parents to have a real understanding of how their child learns best. Um, mm. because we don't want to make that mistake of shutting down or getting in the way of very effective learning strategies that our children may have because we don't really understand it. And so it's been an abnormal year, and I think parents should show support without interfering, um, and that's often quite difficult for parents. Mm. Mm. So those are just three tools for parents to maybe think about. Um and I do want to say that the SACAP is running an, uh, a free webinar aimed specifically at parents where we will unpack a lot more of these tools should parents be interested in attending that and unpacking this a bit further. Mm-hmm. And I think with everything that has been said, is there one tool that is more important than the other? And I say it because... We are busy parents. Sometimes we want to be involved, but we find ourselves spending a lot more time away from home. And at a time when mm. a lot of people are just grateful to still have their jobs, it's not the best time to take um, time off work because, you know, your child needs you and you want to be there supporting them. So what is the one thing that, you know, parents can at least 
do or start by doing if they don't have as much time at home with their children? Absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. And I think, I mean, I think every matric parent can really relate to this question because the, the world has been turned upside down. Mm. Um, and parents are struggling at this stage in terms of just figuring out kind of a new 